Well, good morning, everybody. Happy Sunday. My name is Pete. I'm one of the pastors here. I am super glad that you are here as well. This week, we are starting a short mini-series on spiritual gifts. Our last series, Empowered, touched on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and as a staff and church, I think we saw more spiritual hunger during our last series than we've seen for quite a while, since pre-COVID at least. And so we decided to spend a few more weeks on this related topic. And today, I get to preach about one of the most challenging spiritual gifts to preach about, which is speaking in tongues and interpretation of tongues. All right. My own experience of these gifts is pretty weird. As a kid, my family attended uh, some fundamentalist Pentecostal churches, my mom and me and my brother, and people would see, speak and sing in tongues loudly as part of every church service, lots of them at the same time, super loud. And it felt mystical and kind of weird to me as a kid. And then one day, my brother and I were in a children's church, and the workers asked, does anyone in here not speak in tongues? And we didn't know we should lie, and so we raised our hands. And they said, now we want you two to come up to the front. And we were like, what on earth? That is terrible. And so we walk up front. Here we are in fourth grade. And they start praying. And I'm watching my brother. And he's like, I would like these people to stop. I'm going to repeat the same syllable over and over. And that's what he did. And then as they were praying for me, I started bawling, like full sobbing. And the children's workers were like, whoa. And, you know, at this time, I'm an abused kid and having a really miserable life and afraid of everyone, and I've always felt like God is way out there, and I felt like something came on me. And I kept on sobbing, and the children's workers were like, well, this is getting awkward now here in front of everybody, and so we're going to move you to the hall so that you can sob over there while we pray for you, and we're going to get back to having our class with the other nine-year-olds who are a little more normal than you right now, right? And so uh, ever since then... Uh, I pray in tongues sometimes. That would be, uh, speaking in tongues is like praying. It's called ecstatic speech or glossolalia or speaking in tongues. And that's like praying with uh, words that you do not understand. Uh, we believe words that are given by the Holy Spirit of God. I almost always do this by myself, but sometimes I will do it sort of out loud in three kinds of situations. Number one, anytime I want to feel closer to God. And it works basically every time. Number two, when I feel overwhelmed, when I don't have words for what to even pray, and I just want to, like, surrender this to God, I will sometimes speak in tongues. And number three, when I am praying for other people, and I don't know what to pray, sometimes I will speak in tongues kind of under my breath, as quietly as humanly possible, so I do not like to freak people out. And then um, it will, like, open up this channel where I can, like, pray and connect to God better in service to other people. Um, I think I pray in these situations in tongues because I always feel closer to God when I do, because it helps me to know the Spirit of God can pray through me, and because sometimes when I'm doing this, I get mental words or images for other people, and so that's why. Um, I want to be honest uh, up front. The reason I'm preaching on this topic today is because I would like you to genuinely ask God today to receive the gift of tongues yourself. So I just want to make that super explicit and clear up front. I have an agenda today because the Bible tells us to eagerly desire these gifts. And Paul says, I wish that all of you could speak in tongues in the Bible. And that's a desire that I share because I have found it so helpful that I want everyone to receive the kind of help that I have received. So I'm going to do two things in today's message. The first is we're going to read through every passage about speaking in tongues in the Bible. So there's going to be more Bible than usual today so that you can get the whole picture and not be worried about something being left out. 
The second thing I'm going to do is talk about some of the science about speaking in tongues, which I find super interesting with my social science background. And it may give us some insight into why the Apostle Paul would write, I wish every one of you spoke in tongues. It's been my experience that everything God asks of us is good news. And speaking in tongues is no different. It is an oddity in modern culture, for sure, but there's plenty of reason to believe it may be an even more important gift today than it was in its original context. And so first, we're going to take a look at where this all started, which is in Acts 2. Jesus has told his followers to wait for the Holy Spirit to be poured out, and this is where it happens. And I'm going through some longer passages today. When we do some of the longer ones, I'm going to skip portions that are not about speaking in tongues. You can go read the whole chapters yourself. I'm trying to focus on the one gift today, and I don't want to talk uh, like read for, you know, an hour to everybody. So just as a heads up, we'll be hopscotching a little bit, which we don't normally do. Acts 2, verse 1. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven, like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. And then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages or tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. They were all completely amazed. So then we're going to skip a little bit. We get to where people hear them speaking. And the people hear them speaking were completely amazed and say, how can this be? They exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, which in the ancient world is a backwater town. And yet we hear them speaking our own native languages. And we hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there, amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. So this is the only example in the Bible of speaking in tongues where everybody can understand what's being said in their own language. And we don't know if that happened because they were speaking a language they didn't know or because God did some miracle of interpretation so they heard what they didn't know. But the Jewish temple in this era was one of the most cosmopolitan places in the whole world. There were people there who spoke a crazy list of languages that is listed in this chapter, and all of them were hearing praising to God in their own language. And although this is the first instance of speaking in tongues, it was actually prophesied by Jesus. In the Gospel of Mark, the Great Commission includes a mention of speaking in tongues. And so let's read Mark 16, starting with verse 15. And then Jesus told them, Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. But anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned, and these miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name, and they will speak in new tongues. They'll be able to handle snakes with safety, and if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They'll be able to place their hands on the sick, and they will be healed. And so pop quiz, are we going to become a snake handling church? Not this pastor. We'd let Pastor Gay do that, wouldn't we? Everybody give it up for Pastor Gay. All right. Um, <laughs> okay. So these miracles, I mean, uh, you know, snakes in Minnesota are not especially scary because uh, very few of them can kill you. Snakes in this part of the world are death. And what is being said here is there's going to be miracles accompanying the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, including the ability to speak in tongues and do some stuff that would normally kill you, but God's going to protect you and keep you alive. And so speaking in new languages or new tongues is listed here as a miraculous sign. Tons of people in Jesus' day spoke more than one language. 
just about everybody did. And interpreters differ on to whether this passage refers to new languages or speaking in tongues, but either way, this is a miracle that happens rather than by learning. And that takes us to Acts 19. Here, the Apostle Paul has run into some believers who already had faith in Jesus when he encountered them. And a couple of my staff mates who are on the preaching and feedback team when I uh, gave them this sermon said, are you sure that they're believers in Jesus? So I went and read some commentaries, and yes, 100%, these are believers in Jesus. And here's what happens in Acts 19. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions till he reached Ephesus on the coast, where he found several believers. Now they're believing in Jesus. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed, he asked them. Well, no, they replied. We haven't even heard there is a Holy Spirit. Well, then what baptism did you experience, he asked. And they replied, the baptism of John. So they've been baptized for forgiveness of sins. Paul said John's baptism called for repentance from sin, but John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. And, of course, it's a tragic fact of existence that they only counted the men at the time, but that's what they were doing. This means there was more people there, families, wives, and kids. And so we see something important here. How does Paul respond when people believe in Jesus but have not received the Holy Spirit? He says, no, that's no, no. You don't want to fall short like that. He prays for them, updates their water baptism, and then he puts his hands on them, and the Holy Spirit meets them in their prayer. And they start prophesying, which we talked about a few weeks back, and they start speaking in tongues. Apparently, there's something to be gained from speaking in tongues, even if you believe and have been baptized. Speaking in tongues is important enough to lay hands on and pray for even a believer in Jesus Christ. Now, outside of these passages, we'll have one more from Acts, but most of the Bible's passages about speaking in tongues come up in 1 Corinthians, and it's really helpful to know a little bit about what's happening in Corinth for these verses. As we see from the book as a whole, Paul is writing to them pastorally in part because their worship services have gotten chaotic. There were people who were speaking in tongues all at the same time, all real loudly, and they're acting like if you speak in tongues, you're a better Christian than people who don't. And it's gotten chaotic, and it's gotten them a weird reputation. And so Paul writes them at length about spiritual gifts, including speaking in tongues. He could have been writing this section to my childhood church, right? And he starts by sharing about spiritual gifts, 1 Corinthians 12. Verse 7, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. To one person... The Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another Spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages or tongues while another person's given the ability to interpret what's being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. The Spirit alone decides which gift each person should have. And so this makes it real clear. Speaking in tongues is a gift of the Holy Spirit. 
And we can see in this passage that understanding what is spoken may not normally come with this gift to the point that another person might be needed to interpret what's being said. I have heard of a few cases in the modern world where someone uh, shared that a person started speaking in tongues and another person heard it in their own language. But very nearly all the time, when we talk about speaking in tongues, we're talking about not even understanding what we are saying. It's praying words that do not have meaning for us or for anybody. And sometimes God does give someone else the ability to interpret that. So this passage helpfully defines the purpose of spiritual gifts. They're for building one another up. In my experience, praying in tongues builds me up pretty immediately. I experience peace and a sense of connection to God and a kind of relief. And so I tend to pray in tongues when I feel overwhelmed or I'm desperate for God's presence or under my breath while praying for other people. After establishing what spiritual gifts are for, Paul makes it clear that speaking in tongues is not a sign of superior spirituality, which is what they were teaching in Corinth. And here's how he puts that in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 27. He says, all of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. Here are some of the parts God has appointed for the church. First, our apostles. Second, our prophets. Third, our teachers. Then those who do miracles. Those who have the gift of healing. Those who can help others. Those who have the gift of leadership. And lastly, those who speak in unknown languages. Verse 29, are we all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we all have the power to do miracles? Could I get a no? Right? Not all of us. Do we all have the gift of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown languages or the ability to interpret them? Of course not. And so you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. And so these believers have been arguing that speaking in tongues makes them superior to other people. And Paul goes right against that argument saying the most important gifts are the one that help other people the most. And he tells them, stop using God's gifts to make yourself better than other people. Use them to build other people up. One of the saddest things that happens in churches is someone shows up and they're gifted at something and no one else around them is. And they're like, why don't these people care? Why aren't they trying harder? Why don't they do what I can do? Right? That's the dead opposite of what spiritual gifts are for. God put you there with that gift to use it to serve other people not to criticize them, right? And so after sharing this about tongues not being something that makes you better than other people, we get one of the most famous passages of all time that you have heard a bunch. This is from the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but did not love people, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Pop quiz. What's more important, spiritual gifts or love? Ding. Paul tells us loving other people is way more important than whatever gifts you think you got. Just like Jesus, who taught that loving God and loving people is more important than any other command. We are called to keep our eyes on the most important thing. God's gifts are never for use without love. After laying out that groundwork, Paul spends chapter 14 in its entirety teaching about tongues and contrasting speaking in tongues with prophesying in a language people can understand. I almost said English, which is definitely not what they were speaking. All right, so we're going to hit the high points that speak directly about tongues. Here's 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. Let love be your highest goal, but you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, 
especially the ability to prophesy. For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to God, since people won't be able to understand you. You will be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will all be mysterious. But one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally, but one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. And so Paul says here that tongues builds us up for service, but does not directly strengthen other people. And that's a pretty good description of 99% of how I have seen speaking in tongues work in my adult life. It's usually something I, others of us on staff, other people here at the church do when we need a stronger connection to God. Paul goes on, verse 5, this one's really a big deal. I wish you could all speak in tongues. Uh, even more, I wish you could all prophesy. For prophecy is greater than speaking in tongues, unless someone interprets what you're saying, so the whole church will be strengthened. And so Paul wishes and writes in the Bible, I wish you could all speak in tongues. That's super important stuff. I wish everybody here could speak in tongues too. That's been very helpful in my life. And later today, we would be happy to pray for you if you'd like to receive this gift. I mean, one of the models we have in Scripture is Paul prays, lays hands on a person, and then they receive the Holy Spirit and begin to speak in tongues. So we'd be glad to pray for that for you today. Paul continues in, we'll start with verse 10. There are many different languages in the world, and every language has meaning. But if I don't understand the language, I'll be a foreigner to someone who speaks it. And the one who speaks it will be a foreigner to me. And the same is true for you. Since you're so eager to have the special abilities the Spirit gives, seek those that strengthen the whole church. And so anyone who speaks in tongues should pray also for the ability to interpret what has been said. For if I pray in tongues, my spirit's praying, but I don't understand what I'm saying. Now, I like, like what Paul says here. I thank God I speak in tongues more than any of you. But in a church meeting, I would rather speak five understandable words to help others than 10,000 words in an unknown language. And so you see here why tongues ranks at the bottom of Paul's list. It's because it builds up just the one person, unless it's interpreted. And it is helpful to the church to have us be built up. Who needs building up once in a while? How many of you would like to know there's a way I can be built up any time that you feel like you need it? How great is that, right? That is a good thing to be able to have. But it is less helpful than the other gifts because it doesn't bless everyone else involved. And so let's hear Paul. Let's pray for the ability to speak in tongues and even more eagerly seek the gifts that build everyone up. Paul closes this chapter by saying this in verses 26 and some others. Well, my brothers and sisters, let's summarize. When you meet together, one will sing, another will teach, another will tell some special revelation God has given. One will speak in tongues and another will interpret what's being said, but everything that's done must strengthen all of you. No more than two or three should speak in tongues. This guy should be writing to my childhood church. They must speak one at a time, and someone must interpret what they say. But if no one's present who can interpret, they must be silent in your church meeting and speak in tongues to God privately. And so, my dear brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy and don't forbid speaking in tongues, but be sure everything's done properly and in order. Now, interpretation of tongues has come up a few times in these passages, and I'm not going to talk about that much today. Uh, mostly because that's most, like interpretation is generally given when you're speaking in tongues in a group. 
And uh, that just doesn't feel like a standard Sunday morning operation for us. But I will share with you, I've been in plenty of situations where someone speaks in tongues and then someone offers an interpretation. I've done that myself a couple times. Felt very much like God's involved in the whole process. And I think that's amazing when it happens. Um, but we are not looking to become a church where everyone's speaking in tongues out here at the same time. Although we'll see what happens during worship, all right? Paul's concern when the church gets weird, as Corinth was doing, is to keep things focused on building up other people and also to have a semblance of order. And so speaking in tongues, even in a church service, is permissible if someone interprets, but it's only meant in that context with greater glory given to prophecy. There's one more passage that involves speaking in tongues. It's from Acts 10. The apostle Peter is preaching, and some Gentiles hear, and the Holy Spirit falls on them, and they start praising God and speaking in tongues. I don't have words for you what an earth-shatteringly important miracle this is. Uh, one of the top few most important in the whole Bible. Up until this exact moment, Christianity has been a Jewish religion. It has been entirely Jewish people following the Old Testament with Christ as their Messiah, no Gentiles involved. And so can you imagine what a big deal it is for all of a sudden non-Jewish people to have the Holy Spirit fall on them and be able to start speaking in tongues and praising God just like the people of Jewish faith? This is the moment where everybody gets included in God's plan through Jesus Christ. And it is a big deal. So all of us, Gentiles and Jews, have the capacity to receive the Holy Spirit and praise God through things like speaking in tongues. That ends our walkthrough of the Bible's passages. As you can see, the picture the Bible paints of speaking in tongues is that it is beneficial. It is a sign of God's presence in people, and if it's a gift that helps build us up. It is not the greatest of the gifts. It does not make you more important or special than other people, but it is good. And it turns out speaking in tongues has an interesting impact on our brain, and it's different than a lot of you might expect. It's certainly different than I would have expected without the research, which I'm going to share with you now. First off, the New York Times has an extended article summarizing the state of research when it was written. Here are some of the findings. Number one, when people speak in tongues, the areas of the brain responsible for control and speech are not in use. When your brain is doing stuff, blood flows to that area to make it like have more energy. And when people speak in tongues, control and speech are not what's being used. And that totally fits what a lot of people, including myself, would say about speaking in tongues. It feels like I'm giving up control. That's where that sense of relief comes from. That's why I like to do it when I'm overwhelmed. When I'm in a situation where I can't do anything, speaking in tongues says, God, I can't do anything. You have control. Second study, and I think this one's amazing and counterintuitive. A study of 1,000 Christians found that those who speak in tongues are more emotionally stable than Christians who do not. They did not study my childhood church, guaranteed. They did not find those people. But here's the thing. I mean, who would not like to be more emotionally stable? I will use some other words for emotional stability that the New York Times might not use. Centered, secure, at peace. I think these are hallmarks of God's presence in our lives, in our bodies. The third thing they found is a decreased blood flow to the caudate nucleus. Wow, huh? All right. 
So the caudate nucleus is responsible for positive emotions. Here's what's not happening when we speak in tongues. We're not stroking ourselves. We're not making ourselves feel good by doing something like smoking a cigarette or doing any other thing that like makes you go, ooh, good, do more of that, even though it's dumb. Right? So what we are doing is actually a giving of control and not a I'm trying to reward myself. The journey of pastoral uh, psychology had people speak in tongues under a SPECT scan, which measures uh, momentary blood flow, and they found increased blood flow to the parietal lobe of the brain. Here's what that means. Uh, that's where you figure out how you fit with the world and who you are as a person. When we speak in tongues, that sense of connection to the world and that sense of who we are, something is happening there. And I'll just say, if the Holy Spirit's involved in how I fit with the world and who I am as a person, that's a pretty good thing. I would like more of the Spirit in those two areas of my life. Speaking in tongues is associated with reduced stress biomarkers. Raise your hand if you got stressed out this week, right now. Hands up. Imagine that you could pray in a way that made your body less stressed pretty much every time. Last thing we found is that speaking in tongues is associated with increased self-confidence. Some of us don't need that, but some of us do, right? I would say way more people do need it than don't, uh, especially among Jesus followers. God wants you to know that you have Christ living inside of you and that you are a beloved child of God. And I think that does lead to some level of self-confidence when we securely have that planted in our hearts. So you'll notice here um, that all the research is good. I'm not hiding the, and you grow a third arm and people won't talk to you anymore. Like, they didn't find any of that stuff, right? All the research done by people who have no faith in whatsoever is that the end result of doing this is associated with good things. Not included here is the very conclusive research that shows that speaking in tongues has never been, in any cases they've studied, an actual language. Languages have rules and structure, and any language can be picked apart and figured out, and the gift of tongues does not have these things. It is trans-rational speech. We are not thinking about it or generating it under the control of our brain. We speak what we don't understand. No one else does except by God's power. One of my favorite theology pub books of all time is called Thinking in Tongues by James K.A. Smith. Theology pub is our monthly book club. Anyone who wants can join us to talk about one book a month that has something to do with God, and we ask three simple questions. What did we like? What didn't we like? What does this have to do with our lives? Right? Very great group. We'd love to have you come. Uh, it's right on the wall as you leave the sanctuary. The one for next month is called Miracle Work, and it is about praying for miracles. And so if you want to come, join us. James K.A. Smith says, uh, we've read 120 books in Theology Pub. This is in my top five. He says, because tongues isn't a rational language, it should change our life in three ways. Number one, transrationality means surrendering control to God. So God, I'm not going to think about what I want to happen. I'm going to let you think and talk about what you want to happen. Number two, speaking in tongues lets us live simultaneously in a natural and supernatural world. And wouldn't we all like to see more of the supernatural happening in our lives? Number three, speaking in tongues helps us connect the ecstatic and transrational trans to this world more effectively, and that should be a place of creativity in art, music, and worship. There's this great chapter in here about pro Protestant art usually sucks and Catholic art tends to be better. I'm sorry if you're a Protestant artist, 
But a lot of Protestant art is about control and messaging and what we want to see happen in people. Speaking in tongues is letting go and letting God have his way. I think that's a great place for creativity to come from. In the end, speaking in tongues has been a super great help to my life, and I want that help for every person here. And we would be happy to pray for you to receive that gift. I want to invite the worship team to come back up here. And if you're on the prayer team, today would be a great day to stand one of these corners and be willing to pray for other people. We really do need prayer team people today. Uh, thank you for those of you who are coming up. Um, here's the tips. And uh, tip number one, I would like you to do sometime this week. Read 1 Corinthians 14. It's a really good pastoral writing on like problem-solving people thinking they're better than other people and the importance of tongues and prophecy. Tip number two and three I'd like to ask you to do today. Please stand as you are able. Uh, of course, you have free will. <laughs> yeah. What I have done my best to do is put a good thing in front of you uh, in hopes that you'll ask God for it because God's the one who can give these gifts. And so tip number two is ask God for the gifts of tongues and interpretation. And tip number three is try praying in tongues. Well, how do you do that, Pastor? Nobody can tell you correctly the answer. It might help to picture yourself giving up control while praising God. So just praise God, and then as you do so, kind of give up control of what you're saying. Uh, not everyone who receives, like, praise for this gift receives it, but I have never seen someone pray for it for more than 10 years and not get it. That person might be here. You can tell me after the service. I'll amend my number. Um, I do think it's a gift that I've seen come to a lot of people as they've pursued God for it. And, you know, some people speak in tongues rarely, some more often. Um, you have no need to worry whatsoever if you do not start speaking in tongues when you ask God for the ability to do so. Lots of God's gifts are given to different people at different times. But Paul does say he wishes all of us could do this, and I do too. I wish every one of us could do that. So I'm going to lead us in prayer in that direction. Um, if you want some help praying for the gift of tongues, come up and have one of these people pray for you. And uh, a lot of times God actually does something out of that. So God, we're just so grateful for all the good gifts that you give us. I am so grateful, God, that I can stand and say with complete faith, everything you give is good. I thank you for all the good things that we've received that have made us able to be here today. For things like breakfast, homes, friends, a church family, your presence in our lives. And Jesus, uh, we want to receive you first. And that means giving up control. It means saying you're God and we're not. I just want to encourage you here, if you have never prayed the first prayer of faith, which is, God, I'm going to let you be in control ultimately as I understand your will. Uh, that's how it begins with Jesus Christ. We encourage you to pray that prayer for the first time. And God, we know that's an ongoing process. We keep giving control to you. We keep seizing it back. And I pray that you would release the gift of tongues among us, God, as a way to give up control and let you have your way. I pray that as folks pray for the gift to speak in tongues, that you would answer that prayer for some here, now, today, for others later this week on their own in their prayer time, and for others after however long you seek for us to desire and pursue you. We just pray, God, would you continue to give your good gifts and would you give them to us 
so that we can be of service back to you and glorify you in your name. Thank you for this time to worship you, God. Please come receive prayer as God leads you. Amen. As we sing this next song together, it's, a, it's an opportunity to remember or be reminded that we serve the God who meets us where we are. Not where we want to be or think we should be. But where we are.